Hi, and welcome to Chats Over Coffee with my yoga teacher. I am the yoga teacher part of this podcast, and I have a good long chat with my friend and fellow yogi and comedian, Peter Brush, and then we snip it down to something that's more interesting for you. <laughs> we talk about um, meditation, yoga, mindfulness, happiness, hopefully bringing a lighthearted feel to it all, so nothing super serious. I hope you enjoy listening. If you want to get in touch, feel free to get in touch. Here's the podcast. It was quite a tough class yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm achy today. You, yeah, I, I slept really well last oh, night. I, I, was, I was in bed thinking, oh, I feel knackered. Why am I feeling knackered? And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember now. Because I haven't felt that worked out from a class for a long time. Really? Yeah, yeah. I just feel like all my classes are the same. And then I talk to people and people would tell me different things like, oh, that was about right or, oh, that was really hard. And I feel like it was the same as last week's vinyasa class. No, this one was, was definitely challenging. Good challenging. Like, I was like, yeah, rose yeah, to yeah. the challenge. Like, I thought it, she's, <laughs> she's trying to like get me to break here but i'm gonna i'm gonna show her well <laughs> that is the point a little bit a little yeah. bit isn't it to push yourself in no, a, no, no, in it's a good. comfortable way well i thought it was good but when i was like messaged you afterwards to say it, it was i thought you were taking me a bit <laughs> too literally when i said it was like not quite torture and i thought no. <laughs> so i need to use more emojis to get across what i'm saying gifts yeah. Just go for the gifts. My mother-in-law loves gifts. She went through a phase of like putting all these gifts after everything she would say, and they were absolutely spot on. I don't know how she found them. <laughs> no, I think your gif and emoji game is pretty strong, to be honest. But, really? Yeah, I think so. But like, you've probably just been doing it more than I have. I'm not saying like I'm looking at it and thinking oh, I'll show her, and in six months' time I'll be up to speed <laughs> with my gifts. But I. <laughs> What a weird thing to be competitive with. Oh, no. <laughs> My gifts are better than yours. <laughs> it's one of those things where I've just been reluctant to get on board with it. I didn't use acronyms for a long time. And even mm. now, I still don't use LOL, but I will use TBF and To Be Fair. And, oh, right. You know. Okay. My favorite acronym is TLDR, Too Long Didn't Read. <laughs> 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 That's, that's a funny thing to just if someone puts like a really sincere long facebook post it's just quite funny to <laughs> stick that on as a reply so i don't use them that often but um yeah i've been i've been slow to the emoji game a lot of people seem to replace words with emojis in sentences i find that a little bit weird like i read a post the other day and it was quite a sincere post and she was whatever she was talking about and then she said something about like you know finances and money but then instead of putting the word money like she put a little picture of a little emoji of a bag of money and i was like that's too far for me do you think they're gonna end up on tombstones in years to come like- <laughs> <laughs> you have to like translate it like we do with hieroglyphics you know <laughs> it's the it's the money bag and the heart and the dove what's it mean Always good for a sticky out smiley face thing. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, it would be like like a picture of a person with a baby and then a heart and a baby, <laughs> yeah. like, loving mother, you know. <laughs> yeah, it would be that, wouldn't it? Ugh. Grim future. <laughs> I should recall my own gifts, maybe or something. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> Just like you know that one that um they always they always use with Leonardo DiCaprio as Jay Gatsby. I should just like insert, yes. like just do my own head in that or something. 
that says something, doesn't it? Like that film was so bad that the only thing it's been remembered for is a meme. I say I haven't seen it, but apparently it's not. I haven't seen it. It's, have you read the book? No. You never read The Great Gatsby? Oh. I didn't like reading the classics in high school when they tell you to read all the classics and you're like, my name is Ishmael. <laughs> oh, sorry, I fell asleep. <laughs> I've read Moby Dick for bloody hell. It's, yeah, it's I think really I've read hard. it, but I honestly, I was, I was, I was almost reading it and not taking it in because I just. Oh I yeah, wasn't... yeah. I had to reread so many pages because I just get myself halfway through and think, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> what do you say? And there's another one with a guy and a fish. That's a short story. Oh, uh, the old man in the sea. That's it. The old yeah. man in the sea. Yeah, I read that one. That was also a bit like. Thank goodness it's a short story. <laughs> but I know, like, there's supposed to be deeper meaning behind it. I understand that. I just didn't... As, as a teenager, I was just like, what is going on with this guy and this fish? <laughs> <laughs> Great Gatsby's quite short, though. That's got to be 150 pages or something. It's not really very... It's not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad. Hunter S. Thompson wrote it out word for word once because he said that he wanted to know what it felt like to write a great novel, so he just copied The Great Gatsby in his typewriter. I don't think that... But- doesn't I don't think count, that's an accurate representation <laughs> of what it feels like to write a great novel. Oh, nice try, though. Good effort. Is it me at the Louvre <laughs> tracing the Mona Lisa? Like, yeah, yeah. You're just like, oh, I, just, I want to know what it feels like to make a great piece of artwork. <laughs> when I was younger and people were like, oh, this is good because it's acclaimed, I'd be like trying to kind of make myself like everything that I was supposed to like. Mm. And I think as you get older, you sort of start going, actually, I don't like that classic <laughs> film, actually. I think it's a bit yeah. shit. You're kind of more yeah. comfortable with saying that. So, you know, I'm going to walk around the Louvre one day and talk about, oh, Venus de Milo, overrated. <laughs> She's not even got any arms, for Christ's sake. But at the end of the day, art <laughs> is subjective anyway, isn't it? So if it doesn't of say course. something to you, why should you like it just because you're supposed to like it? Yeah, definitely. You know, street art probably says more to more people than, you know, stuff that they could see in the Tate Modern because they just mm. understand it more. It says more to them about their life. Which is mm-hmm. actually very similar to the thing I was going to say in an email about how I think pasta shapes are really pretentious. Yes. Because they've all got these like really old like Italian names for pasta, aren't they? And they don't, you can't change, <laughs> yeah. they can't change them. So it's, they're like operas, aren't they? Like, you know, it's, <laughs> but some of the best pasta art going on is actually going on in tinned pasta. You know, like Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> You know, Mickey Mouse pasta. Like that's that's yep. that speaks to people and uh, more. <laughs> like, it speaks to more people than like a pasta bow tie, doesn't it? So, but it's sneered oh. at by the pasta yep. intelligentsia or whatever. You're never going to go to a fancy restaurant and get a fifty pound meal and come out with like a little portion of Scooby Doo pasta. No. <laughs> But it's yeah. but it's more artistic than a bow tie, isn't it? Don't you think? I I like that. Well, I'm glad I got that out. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So, okay. Oh, good. Anyway, I'm glad we're still cool. After my sort of figure you're getting the wrong end of the stick of the things. I never get the wrong end of the stick. I'll always assume that whatever you're saying is really nice. And then later you'll be like, I was quite angry then, Kayla. And I'll be like, oh, were you? <laughs> I don't know. I just have so much paranoia about things getting taken the wrong way when it's just the written word. Because when someone writes something... It's just open to probably the worst interpretation often by the other person, I think. But do you not think that comes back to how how you think and how much of a positive person you are in the first place? 
Like, if you always think everything is negative every time you read it, like, surely that's something that that person needs to work on a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember saying that you could go the other way as well. You could always think everyone's being absolutely loving of you and really everyone's being sarcastic, but... (laughs) How bliss would it be to live in that world? (laughs) No, that's probably true, but I think it does does happen a lot. And it probably would happen more with people that you don't, know especially well i guess wouldn't it like that's why people have fights on the internet all the time because people will say oh well you've just said that and you can't take it back because you've written it and they'll read it in a way that is not exactly what you meant and then the language is limited anyway i think like Mm. i was thinking about this the other day you're just given a bunch of words aren't you like (laughs) you're like yeah yeah okay (laughs) bear with me And these words that you're just given, like all these words in English language, mm. and you're just supposed to express yourself in these words, like these words always mean exactly what you're trying to convey, and something gets lost in the process of putting something to into words anyway. You know, you're, you're having to s- sort of pick the words that you are aware of that suit you best when you're trying to convey yourself. But yeah something's lost in the process of doing that because you're compromising on the words so they're not they don't 100 percent reflect the exact feelings that you had when you were writing them you can't you can't do it so that's that's the problem with language basically do you know yeah. does that make yeah i'm right there aren't yeah, I? Absolutely, yeah absolutely 100 <laughs> so, yeah. are you having trouble uh <laughs> saying what you want to say yeah exactly <laughs> ironically yeah <laughs> so but you know, stuff gets lost immediately when you yeah. are saying anything. You just and, and we didn't even used to have language anyway. What just grunt and we point? We used to grunt and point, and so yeah. when we were when we didn't have language, how did thoughts manifest themselves in our brains? It must have just been completely different. It'd be more emotional. It'd be more like feelings rather than articulated thoughts. Exactly. Like even even something yeah. like oh, shit, there's a bear. You'd be thinking about it, but you wouldn't be. You wouldn't think it in the the words wouldn't occur to you, would they? So yeah. I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, bears never come at me, so I'm not sure. Whether... <laughs> I bet you would actually not think anything if there was a bear coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he'd probably be like, let me find the exact words to express my emotions at the time before I move on. Yeah, that's maybe a bear coming towards you is a bad example, but just. But just something like, oh, oh I need to do that later or something like, oh, yeah. I must I must finish that cave painting. One of my favorite series ever of all time is um, Robin Hobb. And she writes, she's written, I think there's like 12, 13 books on Fits in the Fall. So it is a, it is um, fiction, obviously. And it is also like a little bit of fantasy. So you know, there's a little bit of, not necessarily magic as in like Harry Potter, but there's, you know, some things going on that we don't have, you know, things like that, connections and stuff. And one of the things is called the skill. It's like some sort of like mental connections. They can talk to people through the skill without having to talk with their mouth. They can convey emotions without having to use vocabulary. And I just, I just love it so much because one of the things is like, 
when he gets really kind of lost in it, lost in the skill or whatever, he's just like, oh God, why, you know, why would we ever try and use words? Who needs words when you can just, you know, he's just like sending out all his feelings or whatever. I don't know. It's, emojis. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Emojis. emojis. Yeah. <laughs> Mental emojis. <laughs> but I so agree with that. Words are just so restricting. Definitely. That's why I use the wrong ones all the time. That's why I mess up whenever I meet anyone for the first time. I always use the wrong words and I mean, I don't know what your first impressions of me were at all. Probably. Uh, no, no impression? Is there a, No is impression. There, oh, is that, is fantastic. Is that worse than like... <laughs> so the only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about. <laughs> I like, know, right? The only, the only thing worse than making a bad impression is making zero impression. <laughs> uh, sorry. Right. <laughs> well, admittedly, when, you, when your first impression would have had to have been in a class with like, what, 27 yeah. other people and maybe you slip in at the end to say thanks and while you're slipping out the door yeah, and it's yeah. not really a chance to make impression to be honest I wouldn't so. expect you to even remember me at all from that really so it's not like <laughs> yeah well I didn't f*** up then that's at least something so. <laughs> yeah hooray <laughs> okay so continuing with our Niyama's discussion which you'll have to go back and listen to some old podcasts if you don't know what I'm talking about um, the next <laughs> the next Niyama <laughs> is Santosha which is contentment I am right, aren't I? You're the yoga teacher, so... I'm... Yeah, but I can't remember what we talked about. Oh, I thought you weren't asking me what the niyamas were. <laughs> no, no, I mean, am I right? And then I'm, we're on our second one, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, second, yeah. Second, yeah. Okay. So the second one is contentment, which is santosha. And basically, I think that's a great one because contentment is something that we all kind of struggle with a little bit. But also, you don't want to fall into too much contentment where there's no growth. So it's like finding a balance between continuously trying to improve yourself but also not attaching your happiness to that improvement so not i went to here we go i went to a <laughs> i went to a, a, a teaching at the buddhist temple in olveston the manjushri center if you want to look it up and um <laughs> and one of the teachings there she said um we have this idea in our lives that you know we attach our happiness to a goal so I'll be happy when I finish uni or I'll be happy when I buy a, buy this house and it's all gone through and I'm, I'm finished with that. And then the next thing is, oh, the, the you know, I'll be happy when the roof is replaced because goodness sakes, it's starting to leak, you know. And then there's another one. Oh, actually, I'll be happy when I retire and I move to the Lake District. Wouldn't that be great? I'll be happy when that happens. And then before you know it, you're dead. And you basically lived your whole life not being happy because you were trying to be happy when something happened. And that's not a way to live, right? So the idea is that you find that contentment now, and maybe you do that on a larger scale. Like maybe you are quite happy with where you're living and things like that. Or maybe it's a little bit smaller, like you're really happy that you've got a hot cup of tea and it's really cold or something quite small. So it's about finding that contentment where you can, but not necessarily losing sight of, you know, self-improvement in general or aiming for goals, but just not attaching your happiness to that because goals change as well you know like i've heard so many stories from yoga teachers who start to teach yoga because they they like they like it you know maybe they're strong you know, ashtanga or something like that strong yoga teachers that are really pushing themselves doing handstands doing headstands doing crazy things that i probably don't do <laughs> you know and then like something happens not necessarily in yoga not necessarily anything to do with yoga maybe maybe they're playing a sport you know, maybe they're playing tennis or something and, and they hurt themselves 
or maybe something develops in the body that's painful and they end up, you know, maybe having a little bit of surgery on a tendon or something or something that's been damaged and that's it. Like, this is going to take months to get over. There was a lot of damage and this is, you know, life-changing kind of, not necessarily life-changing because it's a bad injury, but life-changing because your life was wrapped around something related to movement and then that movement is restricted now. So it feels life-changing. And I've heard so many stories of yoga teachers that have entered that and then they're like, oh... I completely misunderstood what I, why I was coming to my mat. You know, here I am trying to push myself to become what, like a yoga athlete? Like, that's not a thing. <laughs> yoga isn't in the Olympics, you know. It's just, it's a thing to better connect with your body. So, I don't know. I think finding that contentment can also apply on your mat. You know, not trying to push yourself to the point where you either hurt yourself, but also understanding that other things are going to affect your practice. And that means that you have to be content with wherever you're at that day. Even if it's just as simple as you twisted your ankle. Next day you go to class, maybe you think, oh, crap, I, I can't actually do any of this. I have to leave. Like that's, you know, finding a bit of peace with that as well. Okay, I've talked a lot again. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> what What is your opinion on this? Give me your opinion. Well, I, I'm a fan of contentment, as if, as we know. Episode one, when we said <laughs> next week we'll talk about that, and it's taken us about 12 weeks or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, the, the left winger in me would say that that's a uh, capitalist critique in some ways, isn't it? Like, it's always a, a consumer critique, isn't it? Like, putting your happiness in the illusion that stuff will give you that fulfillment i think absolutely uh, so again you're saying oh well, i'll be happy when i got a house and stuff but once you've got it you're like well i'll be happy when i get a new couch <laughs> but the, the, the happiness of the having a house should be the happiness of like, the living in the house should be the happiness like the, the stuff that you're doing whilst mm. you're in the house to enjoy being in there is the thing that should keep you happy not the attainment of something or maybe if I get a better car yeah. then I'll be happy or maybe if I get a, a younger girlfriend I'll be happy and just you know not you know I might have to cut that bit out but um, <laughs> but yeah it's not putting stock in material I mean, it's a materialist critique I suppose yeah it's not growing up in a western society like, it is very consumer capitalist led oh, isn't yeah. it yeah yeah it, it is very much like the economy is built around you need to go out and buy stuff now which is dumb and stupid, but yes, continue. <laughs> yeah, it's empty and it's all it's all so disposable as well. Like I've never wanted to buy good clothes or good shoes for any other reason that I need a pair of clothes or a pair of clothes. I need a pair of shoes <laughs> or something because the old the old ones have fallen apart. That's basically the only reason I will buy any clothes is because yeah. there are holes in the current clothes. But I have, in terms of achieving things in career i have had the same attitude where in the past i've sort of because i've never been on tv or anything yeah uh, which is a travesty of course you know of course, <laughs> yeah of course and i've never been i was on the radio just because the bbc new comedy award final in 2013 was on the radio mm. i haven't been on a panel show or anything like that i've written for mm. a panel show a couple of times but like i've not been on anything mm. so I could have the attitude where I may have done in the past, that again, I can't remember because I don't always remember what I thought in the past, yeah. where I would say, like, oh, I want to be on TV or I want to be on radio and that's what I want to achieve. And that obviously hasn't happened, but, I mean, I do think, like, I've thought, oh, I, I want to get a paid spot at that club. I've felt that before. Like, a lot of people want to yeah. play the comedy store in London 
and get a paid weekend there. And they've never they've never paid me for a gig either. So again, that's another travesty. But you know, I mean, like if you have, yeah. if you say, "Oh, I just I want these things," and when you once you've had them, you're like, "Well, what what next?" You know, like so. Yeah. I'd rather think of it in terms of what I really want to achieve is to just like continually get better at what I'm doing and allow yeah. other things to take care of themselves, really, rather than. I remember I'm, I quite like snooker. I don't know if you mm. like any sport at all. What sports? Yeah, I lo- uh, tennis is all right sometimes. No, I quite like tennis. Yeah, I have watched some snooker. I think it's really absorbing. It's, I think it's a great game to watch. But <laughs> I quite like Ronnie O'Sullivan, even though um, yeah, I don't I, I don't really know how the content of his character, especially, is a bit enig- enigmatic. Great mm. to watch. Very interesting character. Like when he wins a tournament, he sort of says, like people's always saying he's won a lot. Like, oh, you must mm. be really pleased to have won all these things. And he says, look, like, well, about 15 minutes after you've won it, you're thinking, oh, well, what next? Like, yeah. it was the, like, getting there that was the enjoyable, challenging part. Yeah, where they and say this, it, the fun is in the journey yeah, yeah. or whatever. So, and yeah. then you're just like, oh, well, here's this crappy trophy, like, made out of perspex that I'm holding out for <laughs> 15 minutes and having a photograph taken with confetti thrown on me. And now what? You know? So, yeah. if you're living life with goals, like, you know, about achieving material things or like material Mm. goals i don't know if you count those landmarks as material or not but i think they don't make you happy when you've got them because then you'll just think well now what so i think Mm. it's framing my i'm gonna have to cut loads of this because i think we've been talking for about five minutes here But, (laughs) but i think it's changing the prism of what you think will make you happy. I listen to those stoicism talks on mm. Sam Harris's app with some bloke, and a lot of people don't like stoicism. And I understand that because if someone's telling you to be stoic, they're often being quite rude to you. Like if they're saying that you should be grateful for what you've got now. It's not very empathetic, is it? If you tell someone to be grateful. If you encourage someone to notice what they are grateful for already and just acknowledge that, I think that's a bit of a healthy way, of, a bit of a better way of saying it. If you can but, come to it yeah. yourself and realize that you should be grateful for some of the things that you have now. Because one of the lines in that set of stoicism talks was that you probably are a lot happier than you think you are now. Mm. It, one of the techniques was to do negative visualizations where you sort of take something that you're grateful for now and imagine your life without them being there so like a partner or something yeah. else and then you will realize that you know life would actually be worse without some of the things that you've already got and if you happen to do that and it's better <laughs> yeah you <laughs> need to do some deep thinking <laughs> no yeah absolutely I'll just add this to it as well, because, like, I think that kind of goes along with, like, you know, you're saying about being grateful, but, like, it's really hard to measure, like, say, how uncomfortable you are or or how comfortable you are without being uncomfortable. And I was noticing, um, I think it was just yesterday, actually, after yoga, and I was just upstairs, and I was, I'm in my comfy clothes. My yoga clothes are really comfortable because I don't wear... An armored suit. I know. I don't. I don't wear those like spandex tight yoga clothes that everyone's like can't breathe in. No, I tend to just wear cotton leggings and bamboo tops and stuff. So they're super comfy. So they're my comfy clothes anyway. So I was upstairs. I was doing my comfy clothes, and I, I, I said, "Dandra, I said, oh, yeah, I'm so uncomfortable." And I think it's because like I had a bit of a headache, and I, oh, I didn't want to be doing what I was doing. I wanted to be finished with it, and a few other things. And then I just thought, I just after the words came out of my mouth, I thought. 
what the hell am I talking about? And then I had this memory of like maybe not this last autumn, but the one before. I remember walking back up from the shops with my backpack and a load of food in it. And it's very heavy and there's steep hills. And I wore a coat because it was kind of chilly. And then on the way back up, I was absolutely and thinking back, the most uncomfortable I've ever been in my life. I was like sweating from head to toe, like my legs were sweating. And I really wanted to just put everything down and strip off till I was nearly <laughs> nearly naked and then walk up in the, you know, freezing cold weather wearing nothing because I was just so uncomfortable. But I remember just like pushing through and getting home and then, you know, taking all my wet clothes off and changing and getting a shower and all this kind of stuff. And I just remember thinking like, God, if I thought I was uncomfortable last night in my comfy clothes right after a nice yoga practice, <laughs> what, what a new... What an idiot. Like, I just felt so silly. Like, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I just thought, oh, man, I need to do something to make myself uncomfortable so I don't let that happen again. (laughs) But, like, I ended up kind of almost, like you're saying, not being grateful because I had nothing to gauge it against because it had been so long since I'd done something that made me really uncomfortable that I lost that kind of, like, gauge or whatever. That's something to compare it against. Well, this is where I sort of was half... Two weeks ago, where I, you know, I was talking about having highs and then lows, and not trying to cut out, like to have more of an equilibrium with the way you sort of feel. And you know, it's not absolute science. I don't think. I don't think you. I don't think you know. If you have like a really good night out, it means you're going to definitely be sad the next day in an exact opposite sense. But I think that there is kind of something to that. Perhaps you can't have as happy an experience without having had negative a stupid example maybe but like do you know like when you really really need a wee and you can't and you're really it's awful and you're like oh, I, really need to, I mean how great is the wee when, <laughs> you have, when you finally have it that's just so enjoyable but you would never yeah. have had that enjoyment without the horrible build-up before yeah did you? so speaking of needing a wee yeah. do you think we could have a potty break <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> I've just downed a massive cup of coffee and half a cup of water. That is fine. Yep. Okay, I'll Do be we... right back. And now, a few words from our sponsors. Hi, everyone. I've had a few inquiries directly from podcast listeners about joining my yoga classes. If that is something you're interested in, please do get in touch. Go onto my website, kaylamccormackyoga.com. Go right to the bottom and you'll find a form you can fill in to get in touch. You'll also find a lot of information on my website of my class schedule, private classes, and public. So do get in touch. It's great for everyone. You don't have to be good at yoga. (laughs) We all have to start somewhere. Hopefully, I'll see some of you in class soon. Hello. Mm, That's quick. (laughs) Maybe wash your hands. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I know what you mean about contentment and stuff. Gratitude and mindfulness, that's a way to build contentment, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Being present and being grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Because there is is only, I mean, there is only now. Mm. I mean, I don't have been absolutist about it and sort of like never, ever plan for anything or like look forward to anything or look back on anything. But in general, Mm. like a lot of your, you gave it, was it, was it dwell on the past and worry about the future? Yeah. Like, yeah. If you could sort of train your thoughts not to do that quite so much, then it's beneficial, I think. Yeah. Mm. So, and so if I never get a spot at the comedy store or never get put on TV or radio, I'm fine. 
Yeah, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't bother me. If it happens, it happens. <laughs> My virtue of me taking care of the other things. Because at the end of the day, you can't take it with you anyway, can you? Yeah. Achieving tangible things, just like, I don't know, I don't put a lot of stock in it because I feel like, like I sometimes think people maybe do that sort of thing because they feel like it gives them some sort of immortality in a very tiny, tiny, tiny sense. Like, oh, yeah. like when they die, they can you can be at someone's funeral and they'll say, oh, well, they achieved this and they did this and they did this and people can go, oh, mm. wow, tangible achievements. But at the end of the day, yeah. like in a generation's time, absolutely no one will care because everybody mm. at that funeral will be also dead. Yeah. Uh, and even in hundreds of years' time, no one's even going to remember Shakespeare or Mozart or anything. Like, it's always yeah. going to... And not, even if they do to the end of humankind, we're all going to die out, the sun's going to explode. It, none of it will mean anything. So what's the point in leaving tangible things behind? I mean, the only... Uh, when I had two friends die at quite a young age and they didn't mm-hmm. have anything, like, specifically tangible to talk about at the funeral they've sort of not yeah. wasted lives but just unfortunate uh, to mm. not to have not achieved potentially what they could have achieved if they had achieved anything tangible but yeah there were loads of people at the funeral they had a lot of good friends and you think well at the end of the day that's all that really makes any difference it's just the yeah. little things that you do to make other people's lives sort of incrementally better and you don't measure that you don't get a trophy for it or anything but that's all you do yeah. there's no illusions of well, when I die I'm going to be remembered for these great achievements it's just you've just got now and you've just got what difference can you make to the people in the immediate vicinity of that are in your life and that's all that really yeah. matters and that's you know no one's going to be writing an essay about you for so you know I don't feel bad for the parents of the guys I knew that both died saying like struggling to think well what do we say about them like in the eulogy because mm. you know, none of that really mattered. It only mattered what we felt about them as a person and yeah. how they affected. And you can't really measure that. It's nearly impossible to measure. Yeah, and and you just never know. Like you will have been affected and grown and changed from the fact that they did die. Like if they had survived, maybe you would be you know a slightly different person. Maybe something would have happened because they would have been there. Like you would have gone to a concert, or done something, you met someone in, in the whole like sliding door style. <laughs> You know, but but on the flip side, like there is that that thing that even them passing away had the potential to be a growing experience for you, for the people that they left behind, which you can only say, obviously, a very long time after an incident. You would not say that on the day you found out someone you're friendly with has passed away. But years later, you might say like, especially if it was both young, you might say like, oh, well, that changed me, but it changed me for the better. You know, it was something that made me more aware or more grateful or more careful or whatever. Because I I also lost someone when I was very young. and, And that had a really big impact on me. To be honest, that person and my grandparents are the only people that I've lost in my life that I've been close to. So... I always, and I'm not just wondering like, oh, what would things be, you know, how would it be different? But I, I would be different if that, if he hadn't gotten to that car wreck and hadn't have died. I know it would. I might not even have come to England. I might be a completely different person. Uh, like for me, if, if I were to pass away suddenly, I would want everything about me to, you know, help people. So like even mm-hmm. now, if, if that helps someone to become a little bit more grateful or to examine their own life and to make changes in their own life because, you know, life is short and we all have to remember that, like that would, obviously I would be dead, but that would make me happy if I was a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. Don't do it at the beginning of a month when I've paid my subscription though. If you can <laughs> help it. <laughs>
<laughs> waste of 40 quid. <laughs> You'll have to try and get a lawyer to get in touch with whoever's doing my stage. To... <laughs> <laughs> I want my 40 quid back. <laughs> and then, like you said, in the end, was it really matter? Because I've actually just written an essay question on the merger between Andromeda and the Milky Way. So even if you forget that the sun is going to turn into a red giant and consume us all there's also the fact that our two galaxies are going to merge and then we won't be in the habitable zone anymore in our galactic habitable zone and then it just keeps going and then eventually we'll maybe even all just go back into a little black hole who knows (laughs) well the long-term future is not rosy is it really (laughs) thank you for listening You might have noticed that I'm not Peter, but I'm still telling you thank you for listening. (laughs) I hope you enjoy the show, though. I really do. I hope that it brings a little bit of uh, smiles to your face, a little laughter to your life, that kind of thing. Please do share if you enjoy it. It does make a difference. You know, people don't see anything these days unless you tell them about it. So please do share. Find us on social media. Tell your family if you're enjoying it. And if you want to get in touch, get in touch. Love to hear your thoughts. Any questions? Blah, blah, blah. Have a lovely day. Bye.